our Easter uh, theme uh, this year is called This Changes Everything. And um, on Sunday, we're going to be looking at the resurrection because that really does change everything. But before we do that, we want to look at that. We want to look at that because that changes everything. The cross changes everything. And whether you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time or whether you're really new to this or whether you're here because you've come with family or friends and you're not sure about whether even any of this is true or not, I want to explain to you in just a few minutes why the cross changes everything. You see, the cross changes everything firstly because the cross settles the issue of sin. And sin is what, it's an old-fashioned word that we don't talk about very often, but it's basically all that stuff in all of us that separates us from the perfection and the holiness of God. And I want to illustrate it for you. And can I use you two boys? Is that all right? Can I use you guys in this illustration? You're not going to say no to me now, are you, in front of everyone else? Good, so come out here. So one of you needs to be Jesus and one of you isn't. You'll be Jesus, he's straight in. So you're not, Luke. All right, so did you say, now these are brothers, okay, that I know very well, okay, and he's just come back from university for, for the holiday and, um, and he's straight in being Jesus, but we'll leave it there. So, so this is what the cross has actually done, because this is Jesus. If you just hold your hands out kind of like that, um, you need to kind of hold it like that, but, but your arms like that. Is that all right? I'm making this illustration of as I go along, having never done it before. And you do the same, but your arms need to be out there and hold it. So in between Jesus and me, there is a massive gap. Okay, there really is. And I want you to imagine that for us, and this Luke here is not just him, he's representing all of us. And I want you to imagine that all of the stuff that Luke has ever done in his life, okay, that would separate him from the holiness of Jesus is recorded in like a ledger. And that's an old word, you don't even know what a ledger is. It's like a book, like a folder, okay. So we've got like a folder of all of the stuff that Luke's ever done in his life that separates him from Jesus. So put your arms together, still hold on to me, as in you. As in that thing, that's it. See, I'm making this up. So this, so you're going to keep that like that. Now that represents all the bad stuff. Now I know you, there's more than that. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, there's even more. Um, so, so this represents all of the stuff in you and I that separates us from him. What he did on the cross was he shifted all of that. So God took all of the stuff that was on us and he put it all, keep your arms together, Jesus. And he put it all on him. Isn't that amazing? And that simply is why the cross changes everything because it settles the issue of sin. Because you see, without that, then what we try and do when we hold on to the stuff is we try and work it off or we try and cover it up or we just try and be better or do more, or find some other way. And we know that there's this separation between us and God. But Jesus says, don't do that. I took that on myself at the cross. Now the devil, the enemy, wants to keep taking it back. But God says, actually, no, it's settled. It's all on him. And it gets even better than that. You see, what the Bible says is that God put the wrong on him who never did any wrong, so we could be made right with God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. But it gets better than that. You see, in Jesus is a whole load of holiness and grace and goodness. And the Bible says that what he did was he put all of our bad stuff on him and all of the Jesus stuff he then put back on us. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says it this way. Um, you know, he came to pay a debt 
he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. That, that's a phrase. And what the Bible says is that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what he did is he took all of our bad stuff onto him and then all of his good stuff he put onto us. I don't know about you, but that's mind-blowing, isn't it? Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Thank you. Can you just take all of your son's bad stuff there over there, okay? And just take it back with you. Great. Thanks. You see, the cross has enabled that great shift to take place. And you and I, we still do bad stuff and we still feel guilty. And it's like the enemy in our head then starts bringing that stuff back from Jesus and putting it onto us. We need to remind ourselves that that's not what's going to happen because of that. Because once and for all, the issue of sin, we still sin, but we are no longer sinners. We still fail, but we're not failures. We do all that kind of stuff, but that's not who we are because of the cross. Let me read it this way. He was abandoned, so we would never be abandoned. He was wounded, so we would be healed. He was cast aside, so that we would be gathered in. He was made sin, so that we would be set free from sin. He was lonely, so we would never have to be alone. He was broken, so we could be made whole. He was despised and rejected, so we would be accepted and honoured. He was dead, so we would know that death has lost its sting. That's what the cross has done. It settled the issue of sin and separation. But secondly, the cross shouts, shouts to our pain and suffering. I don't know how many of you this evening are carrying pain and suffering in your life. I'm sure there's many of you. There's a lot of people here in this room. I'm sure there's many of you. And you know, I think uh, for some pain and suffering is the proof that God doesn't exist. You know, I, I talk to people and they say, I don't believe in God. And I say, why don't you? Because of all this pain and the suffering in the world and it's all God's fault. And I said, but you don't believe in him. It's funny, isn't it, how many people who don't believe in God still attribute a lot of stuff that happens in the world to the God that they don't believe in. It's not that you don't believe in God. It's just that you can't reconcile the pain and the suffering. And I get that. And there are some of us in this room and we do believe in God and we do believe in Jesus. But pain and suffering is a conundrum. Because if God exists, either he is bad by allowing it to happen or he is weak by not doing anything about it. So if there's pain and suffering in your life or there's pain and suffering in the world, either God is bad because he allows it to happen or he's weak because he's not doing anything about it. But folks, he has done something about it and it's that. And this blows my mind every time I think about it. This is so radical and revolutionary. No other religion in the world, no other worldview, no other sense of a God would allow God to take on pain and brokenness like the cross does. That's God saying, that's my response to suffering. I feel it. I embody it. I take it into my body. I know when I see Jesus in heaven, in his resurrected body, there will still be scars in him because he's taken the pain and the suffering of your life and mine and he's taken it upon himself. It shouts to the issue of pain and suffering. I think we have three questions when it comes to pain and suffering. God, are you there? God, do you care? God, will you do anything about it? We all have those questions, don't we? I do, you do. And I think this shouts to the answer to those questions. Here I am. Here I am. I might not be able to take it away, but I can take it onto myself. The cross changes everything because it shouts 
to the issue of pain and suffering. C.S. Lewis, that great writer, he said this, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to raise a deaf world. If, you don't, if, you, if you're saying, God, are you there? God, do you care? Think about the cross. You want to know what pain and suffering is? Look at that. Look at that. Whatever pain and suffering you are carrying or have carried is nothing in comparison to what God has carried in the form of Jesus on the cross. So it settles the issue of sin and separation. It shouts to the issue of pain and suffering, but it also speaks to the issue of love. What is real love? You know, what Jesus did on the cross was, and the bit that blows my mind, what I said at the end of that song, is that he freely did it. He freely did it. He chose to do that. To die as a criminal in the way he did was to die as a failure in between two other criminals. Those thieves on the cross, either side of him, one mocked his power and the other, the other recognised that he had a different kind of power. If Jesus had just been another innocent victim or another criminal who died that kind of death, he would have marked history, then he would have faded from history. What changed history was that the disciples who saw him resurrected recognised and understood he didn't do it because he was forced to, he did it because he chose to. That's love. That's love. Sacrificial love. Power, Philip Yancey, another great writer, says, power, no matter how well-intentioned, tends to cause suffering. Love being vulnerable absorbs it. In a point of convergence on a hill called Calvary, God renounced the one for the sake of the other. You ever feel unloved? You ever feel unloved? Look at the cross. This is the greatest demonstration that there is of a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to go and die for us. You know, you can tell a lot about someone by what's on their mind the most, can't you? You know, I wonder what's on your mind the most. What's on the mind of a parent with their little kids? You know, where are they? Do you know what I mean? You know, and what's on the mind of a businessman the most? Maybe... Maybe, you know, the next stock or the next share or the next business deal or the stock market or the pound and all of that. What's on the mind of a politician the most? Brexit. I know that's the answer. What's on the mind of a teenager? Not a lot. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know, what was on the mind of Jesus the most was people. And we talked about this in, um, we have connect groups here in, in, in the church, small groups that meet in homes. And we were in our connect group this week and we were talking about what, 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 what really hits you about the Easter story. And one of, the, one of the guys said, what hits me the most is that Jesus on the cross in that incredible pain spoke about other people. That's mind blowing, isn't it? I don't know about you when you're in pain. How many of you think about other people when you're in pain? When Jesus was on the cross, he thought about his mother and he thought about John. And, and he thought about the other dying thief. And he, and he thought about the people who put him on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. That is mind-blowing to me. Like if I have the tiniest little bit of pain, the whole world knows about it. Do you know what I mean? And my wife will bear that out. I'm not thinking about anybody. I'm just thinking about the pain that I'm in. And yet Jesus on the cross, hanging on the cross, with blood dripping out of his hands and his feet and his side, in that moment, he's thinking, about people. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? That's love. That's sacrificial love. And Jesus thought not only, you know where that is, don't you? Notre Dame. 
Because the cross changes everything, doesn't it? In the middle of rubble and fire and breakdown and brokenness and pain, the cross shouts and the cross settles and the cross speaks into what real love is. We're going to take communion in a moment, but I want you to hear these words. And I, use, I often read these words at weddings, but I want, I want you to hear them because God is a lover. And what that is, is an act of love. Love isn't what Hollywood says. Love isn't keyboards in the background and, and lo, you know, all oh, you complete me and all that. Love is this. And, and this is what God wants to say to you and I tonight before we take communion. God loves you simply because he's chosen to do so. He loves you when you don't feel lovely. He loves you when no one else loves you. Others may abandon you, divorce you, ignore you, but God will love you always, no matter what. God loves you personally, powerfully, and passionately. Others have promised and failed, but God has promised and succeeded. He loves you with an unfailing love, and his love, if you let it, will fill you and leave you with a love worth sharing for others. I don't know about you, but it takes my breath away, doesn't it? I'm going to ask the guys to come back. and I want you to just turn and look at the cross for a moment. Would you do that? This settles the issue of sin and separation. God has taken the stuff in your life and my life and he's put it onto his son and it's done. This shouts to pain and suffering because God is saying, I've taken it and I've suffered and I do that because I love you. And this speaks into the issue of what real love is. Because God so loved the world and that includes you and me that he sent his only son to die. That no one who believes in him would perish but each of us would have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. You didn't just shout from heaven, you sent your son. He didn't just send us an email or a memo or a text. You sent flesh and blood. You sent what mattered to you most. My boys matter to me more than any other people in the world. Would I give them up? Not for people that even loved me, but for people who actually hated me. Would I do that? I don't know whether I could do that. But God, that's exactly what you did. You gave your boy. You gave your boy to people who don't even care about you. You gave your boy to me who has hurt you and disappointed you and let you down many times. And you, yet you did that. Because you loved us and you still do. So Jesus, tonight now as we celebrate and worship and reflect and maybe, maybe some of us even are sad because we want to think about the pain that you went through and that's real. And God, as we do that, God, we do it with hearts that are full of love and thanks to you for what you've done. So Jesus, now you invite us to come. Come to that altar again. Come to that place where we, where we may be on this Good Friday. Say to you again, God, Jesus, we love you. 
We love you and we thank you. And we receive again the finished work that you've done on the cross for us. It settled the issue of sin. God, it shouts into our pain and it speaks into what real love is. So Lord, we thank you and we receive from you again tonight. And Lord, I want to pray if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, God, who, or who used to know you and used to walk with you and used to love you and used to serve you, but maybe life got difficult or busy or they got distracted. Jesus, tonight, would you pull us back and would you invite us back again? And maybe even as we take communion to, to recommit ourselves to you, that we're going to give our lives to follow you the rest of our life because you have given your one only life for us. Jesus, help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.